Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey everyone, welcome to The Backstory. I hope by now you've gotten into the swing of things. The summer is here and a lot of us are engaging in weekend warrior types of activities, playing golf, playing tennis, running, biking, cycling, which is great for the body, great for the mind, decreases stress, and great for mindfulness. But unfortunately, one of the side consequences of exercising and even aging is that we suffer and sometimes sustain more musculoskeletal injuries. And one of the more common injuries involved in these types of activities could be your joints that may be a little sore or could be the muscles that ache, but typically it's your tendons. And when you think of tendonitis, you might be thinking of a burning pain around your joints, which can cause some decreased strength and flexibility, but it's probably not acute tendonitis, which is the cause, but it could be a chronic degeneration of the tendon cause called tendinosis. So it's really important to distinguish between these two disorders so that you and your healthcare provider and your healthcare team, therapists and trainers can really determine the best and appropriate course of treatment. So tendinitis is acute inflammation of the tendon that can result in micro tears where the tendon is acutely overloaded and while tendinitis is still a very common condition and common diagnosis, a lot of the scientific literature and the research that has been documented has been shown that what was initially thought as tendinitis is actually tendinosis. And tendinosis, or also known as tendinopathy, is a chronic injury of the tendon. And what happens here is that the tendons and the collagen in response to chronic use and repetitive stress injuries, even small things like clicking a mouse or having poor posture while sitting in front of computer, can cause this chronic change in the tendon known as tendinosis or tendinopathy. And there's a lot of confusion between tendinitis and tendinosis. And many injuries that were commonly presumed to be tendinitis are actually chronic overuse injuries. In fact, micro tears, which would probably provide the best evidence for tendinitis, is rarely present in a lot of conditions like tennis elbow, which is known as tendinitis of your wrist extensors, or Achilles tendinitis, which is where you can get some pain in your calf muscle going to your heel. It's very rare where you see any sign of acute or chronic inflammation proving that these injuries are not tendinitis, but actually tendinosis. If you take a microscopic view of the tendons, which usually can only be done after surgery, a lot of the tendons have undergone collagen degeneration and the fibers which once were arranged in a parallel elongated fashion are no longer aligned with each other as they are in these younger healthy tendons. And these structural changes in the tendon can result in a loss of strength which ultimately contributes to this cycle of injury which can cause further secondary conditions like decreased strength, decreased flexibility, and overall, a decrease in functional mobility. But the most important reason to distinguish whether or not you have tendinitis, which is acute, or tendinosis, which is more of a chronic degeneration, is that the treatment goals, the timeliness of these interventions, they differ. 
The most important goal for tendinitis is to reduce acute inflammation, a condition that isn't present in tendinosis. And in fact, some of those treatments to reduce inflammation are actually contraindicated when you have tendinosis. Even things such as Motrin, Aleve, or Advil, all these non-steroid anti-inflammatories, they can inhibit and prevent the collagen fibers to repair in a tendon, which is why knowing whether or not you have an acute itis or a chronic osis is very important. So, how do you get this answer? Now, there's no gold standard in terms of diagnosing a tendinopathy. Using a combination of history of your symptoms and physical examination can help, but imaging is what really increases the likelihood of a correct diagnosis. Now, there's several ways to look inside the body. You can use x-rays, you can use computed tomography, which is a CAT scan, or magnetic resonance imaging, also known as an MRI. But another option, which is relatively newer, is high-resolution ultrasound. And it can offer some significant advantages to diagnose musculoskeletal problems over the other imaging modalities. Now, MRI uses highly powerful magnets to produce these 3D anatomical images. And as a result, this high-contrast resolution can often determine changes in tissue quality whether it's a tear in your muscle or a small tear in one of your tendons. Ultrasound, on the other hand, uses high-frequency sound waves to look at both organs and structures. And the beauty of ultrasound is that it uses high spatial resolution modality that can achieve a really high-level detail of a structure, especially when it's not too deep and just underneath the skin surface. And ultrasound has many advantages over previous imaging modalities. Ultrasound does not require any radiation. It does not require the patient to enter one of those small bores or tubes of a scanner, like an MRI of a CAT scan. The other advantage is that ultrasound can show pictures in real time, like a movie. And therefore, when a patient undergoes an ultrasound evaluation, you can have the patient move. So you can see impingement and real-time motion of the shoulder, hips, and knees. And especially when structures are not very deep or somewhat superficial, ultrasound can actually show images with higher resolution than an MRI. And one of the final advantages of ultrasound is that it's not just a diagnostic tool. When some type of injection treatment is needed, like a cortisone injection into a joint or a tendon treatment, ultrasound can be used to visualize the structure at the point of care and make sure that the needle is placed in the correct location. Now, we also use x-rays and CAT scans to perform these image-guided interventions. But remember, with ultrasound, there is no radiation and also no need for contrast dye. So once you've confirmed whether or not you have an acute inflammation, as in tendinitis, or you've been diagnosed with tendinosis, the treatments will vary. The goal of treating someone with tendinosis is to break this cycle of injury, reduce some of this vascularization, which is new blood vessels coming to the scene, and most importantly, optimize the collagen so that the tendon can remain strong and healthy, allowing individuals to return to their level of activity. And the first step in treatment is rest. Now, patients with low-grade tendon injuries often find it difficult to rest as much as they should. People with repetitive work tasks are recommended to take a break for one minute every 15 minutes or for five minutes two times an hour. And the purpose of this is to prevent long-term pain and decrease the incidence of disability 
especially when some individuals will need more rest than others. The second mode of treatment is to make changes in your ergonomics or your biomechanics and posture, and these small changes can make a big difference. Some examples include having a cashier press the register keys more lightly, or someone working at a computer use their wrists in a neutral position while typing. It's very important to get your home workstation or even your work workstation evaluated by a physical or occupational therapist, as these individuals are often experts in recognizing and ingesting these improper biomechanics. Stretching and mobility cannot be understated when speaking about the treatment for tendinosis. By lightly stretching and moving your joints through their full range of motion, you can effectively prevent shortening of the muscles, thereby preserving your flexibility. This can also improve and increase circulation, which will assist in the healing process. Number four, now there is always a discussion between ice and heat related to various musculoskeletal injuries. And for tendon issues specifically, ice has been shown to be more effective for chronic tendon issues because ice causes blood vessels to narrow, also known as vasoconstriction. And this can help in some of that abnormal neovascularization or where blood vessels grow into the tendons. The best way to use ice is to use it for 15 to 20 minutes at a time for several sessions a day. The most important time is after you engage in activities, which can further the healing process by strengthening the tendon. The next step in treatment is something called eccentric strengthening or lengthening the muscle while it's being loaded. This has been clinically proven to be successful in the treatment of tendinosis. And one of those examples is think about doing a dumbbell curl. So when you raise the dumbbell from a straight arm towards your shoulder, that is a concentric contraction. And when you slowly lower the hand, while holding the dumbbell, this would stimulate an eccentric contraction. The benefit of eccentric strengthening or eccentric lengthening of the muscle is that you stimulate collagen production more so than with a shortening or concentric contraction. This will effectively improve the strength of the tendon and it can also help by reducing the swelling and thickening of the tendon. Now, what about some interventional options to treat tendinosis or tendinopathy? Platelet-rich plasma, or PRP, has been widely used in orthopedic surgery and sports medicine to treat a variety of tendon injuries. And we know that tendons are these dense connective tissues that connect muscles to bones, and therefore they transmit a lot of forces that enable the joints to move. And as a consequence, tendons are subject to large mechanical loads that may cause injuries and affect tendon function. In recent years, one of the popular options for treating musculoskeletal injuries, especially tendinosis or tendinopathy, is platelet-rich plasma. And currently, the results of the last survey showed that almost 90,000 athletes in the United States treat acute and chronic injuries with PRP. And because of the widespread use, it's estimated that the market value of PRP is almost $150 million this year in the United States alone. So what is PRP? Basically, PRP is a cell-free therapy that consists of growth factors. It has been shown to be beneficial on tendons, to increase the tendon cell proliferation, to increase the expression of proteins, and to reduce inflammation. The biggest challenge with PRP is in the evidence. The efficacy of PRP in many clinical trials is not consistent, leading to controversies. 
But where evidence does show some benefit of PRP include shoulder cuff, rotator cuff tendinopathies, your Achilles tendon, tennis elbow or outside of your elbow, and a few other conditions that do respond to PRP. The second treatment is extracorporeal shock wave therapy or ESWT. Now, the general consensus is that tendinopathy, at least in the late and chronic stages, is mainly a degenerative condition. And we now know that inflammation plays just a minor role in tendinosis. So this has led to a shift from treatments that previously targeted inflammation to treatments that promote regeneration. And one of these treatments is extracorporeal shockwave therapy. And essentially, this is a physical therapy modality that uses pressure waves to treat tendinopathy. And the data has suggested the success rate ranges from 60% to 80% in a variety of tendinopathy issues, such as plantar fasciitis, rotator cuff disease, greater trochanter bursitis, which is on the side of the hip, and also Achilles and jumper's knees. Now, many recent studies demonstrate that shockwave treatment and shockwave therapy is effective at reducing pain, improving tissue regeneration, and activating stem cells. In addition, some of the experimental findings confirm that shockwave therapy actually decreases the expression of high levels of inflammatory mediators, things such as interleukins and matrix metalloproteinases. Therefore, extracorporeal shockwave therapy produces a regenerative and tissue repairing effect in a lot of these musculoskeletal issues. And the last interventional treatment that I'm going to discuss is something called percutaneous ultrasonic tenotomy. So chronic tendinopathy is a challenge. We know that. It can lead to significant disability and limitations, not only in athletes, but also in people doing regular day-to-day activities. And while there are many treatments described for this overused type of injury, there is no single modality that has been proven to be superior than the rest. And that's where percutaneous ultrasonic tenotomy comes in. The brand name for this modality treatment is called Tenex, a treatment that we do offer here at Wal Cornell Sports Medicine. And basically, this technique involves a tool that removes diseased tendon tissue through a small incision. And the device consists of a suction and irrigation system, which produces small amplitude, high frequency oscillations, that again, target this fibroblastic dead tissue in the tendon and remove that area. And the data has shown that this percutaneous ultrasonic tenotomy has been an effective alternative to treatment with tennis and golfer's elbow. Patients with plantar fasciitis may also experience improvement in pain. And tendinopathy of the Achilles tendon, rotator cuff tendinitis, all have provided short-term relief in the majority of patients. Now, when you have sustained a chronic tendon injury, the cellular damage, if you look at it at a microscopic level, is unlikely to be reversed completely. But a lot of these treatments and self-care recommendations can increase the strength of the tendon by stopping this cycle of injury and introducing healthy collagen to the area. By addressing some of the unhealthy inflammation and the vascular changes that I mentioned, these treatments can significantly decrease or even eliminate the pain 
which will improve your range of motion, increase your strength, but most importantly, allow you to return to pain-free normal activities. So I hope this helped in talking about the overview of tendinitis versus tendinosis and the variety of treatment conditions and treatments that we can offer. Thank you for tuning in to The Backstory. If you want more information on tendon conditions and treatments, please visit us at wildcornell.org forward slash sports dash medicine. And until next time, we've got your back. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his newsletter by going to www.rickysinghmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D dot com.